All right, thank you for that, ladies. And I do want to say thank you for those of you who served in our armed forces and those of you who serve in law enforcement. And, uh, you, you know, you, unfortunately, we live in a time in our society where uh, your work and your effort and your sacrifice aren't really recognized very much. And, uh, but those of us that understand, understand what you do on a regular basis, what you did. And so we do want to say thank you for that. And that's why we have this day. And we don't apologize for it, by the way. We're grateful for you. We're going to be in Luke chapter number five this morning. And I want to <clears throat> share a thought <clears throat> that would help you, that I think will help you. Um, there is, to me, there is nothing worse than missing out on, on something that's great or exciting or a great opportunity, right? People are looking for opportunities all the time. And the, the worst thing would be to have a great opportunity and miss out. If I were to ask you in this crowd, who knows somebody named Ronald Wayne? I don't think hardly any of you, if anybody, would know who he was. He was a man that helped start a tech company many, many, many years ago. And he invested in it, and he had 10% of the company. But after a couple months, he felt that uh, he just didn't see it. And for whatever reason, he sold his 10% of this company in the 70s for $800. If that man would have kept his 10% stake in that company today, it would be worth over $200 billion. Or, or 200 I mean, million dollars, something like that. He, he sold his stock on, on Apple, $800. Now, that's not a big deal, but I wonder if he looks in the mirror sometimes and kicks himself, right? He missed out. Now, to be honest with you, that's not a big, big deal because that's just money. Yeah, it's only money. You know, by the way, you know who says that phrase, it's only money? Who says that? People that don't have it, right? Okay, we're the ones that are like, we're okay. It's just money after all. But, uh, but there are more important things in life that we can miss out on. And I want you to see in this story some people that missed out. We know that Jesus was always under attack, was he not? By the way, he, Christianity is still under attack today. Now, in our country, <coughs> it's very minimal. Uh, it's more verbal and all that type of thing. Maybe it'll get to the point someday where it's, where, where it's worse. But around this world, there are people that just for being Christians, their lives are targeted. Yep. Their livelihoods are taken away. We should be thankful we're in America that, that we're not here yet. But Jesus was always under attack. Yeah. Sometimes it was directly. Other times it was uh, intellectually or they're trying to, to trip him up. Here he is. He's in the midst of a crowd and he's teaching. There are those who are, are, are there in that crowd looking to trip him up. That would be the Pharisees and the doctors of the law, those that felt like some of these people were super religious Pharisees who not only allegedly followed the law, they followed stuff that wasn't even in the law. And then you have these doctors of the law trying to, to pit Jesus against the Old Testament laws so they can catch him up to, to, dis, to discredit him and to disprove him, which is an impossible task since he was already he was who he said he was. But while they're there to prove him wrong, the thing they didn't understand is he was, one, he was the one that was there that could do great things. In the verse there, it's, I love this phrase. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
As he's in that crowd, and some of them are just there, they're onlookers or whatever. I'm sure there were some that were sincerely there and, and looking for something more in life, or some just trying to figure out who he was. But there were also the, 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 those that were there for, for reasons to try, to, to, try to, to trip him up and make him look bad. And, and their ultimate goal, of course, we saw is at the end of the story how he's crucified. His, his critics are after him. But his power was there to heal them. They didn't realize that standing in their midst was somebody who had the power to help them in any way that they needed. But there's another one in the story. There is one who understood that he needed help. In verse 18, it says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. <coughs> and they sought means to bring him in. And to lay him before him. And so here's this man that has palsy. It's a, it's a paralysis. He cannot move. He's confined to his bed. And he has some guys that bring him there. There was nothing he could do for himself. Really, to be honest with you, he had no future. There was, he, he was of no help to anybody. In fact, he had to be taken care of. He couldn't support himself. He had to rely on others. Could you imagine that type of life? But fortunately for him, he had some friends. And because of them, something happens in verse 25. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereupon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. He was healed. He wasn't there to debate the doctrine as some of the doctors of the law was. He was there to experience a healing. He wasn't there to try to trip Jesus up. He was there trying to get up out of the bed and Jesus heals him. But what about the others in the story? The ones who were also there where Jesus was. I'm sure there were people in that crowd that had spiritual needs. Probably most of them. I'm sure there were people in that crowd that had some type of physical need. I'm sure there were others in the crowd that had some type of emotional need. But they didn't get healed. Only one mid did. And the power was there. They missed it. But why did they miss it? After all, if you compare, I love verse, compare verse 17 where it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then we look at verse 40, 24, where Jesus said, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power. The power that was present, Jesus is going to use that to heal this man. Now, yes, he was showing them who he was, but that man came and he's going to heal him. And by the way, his power went far beyond just healing this man's sin to, to freeing, to, uh, goes beyond forgiving sins to freeing sinners. He first told the man, he goes, look, uh, 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 your sins are forgiven. And then he heals the man later. But what about the others? They missed that power that was present. You know, many of them could have had their lives changed that day. Many of them that may have had some hurts going on could have had those hurts healed. Many of them that, could have, that needed help could have been helped. Many of them that needed a change in their life to get them going the right direction, to get them out of the, the nonsense and the drama of their life, it was there, but they walked away and they did not get it. Maybe there were some there that had addictions. 
And the power was there to work in their life to help them to break those addictions. Maybe some of them there had some issues in some of the relationships in their lives. Maybe their marriages were on their rock or some ch their children were having issues or they had some, uh, you know, inner family uh, struggles and the power was there to help them to get through that. But they missed it. Can I just say this? A lot of Christians miss it today too. The power of Christ is available and they go away and they have emotional hurts that he could help. They have relationships that could be restored. They have addictions that could be broken free from and yet they walk away and they don't experience anything because the power that is present is not translated into their life to change the situations that they are in. But why? As I look at this story, <coughs> I see six characteristics that would cause us to miss it. And let me say this. If you're saved this morning, you don't want to miss God working in your life. Amen. You don't want to miss God's power. Why would we want to struggle with things we don't need to? And I understand difficulties of life come. All those different things. It is normal whether you're saved or whether you're not. But you know what's good for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ? We have his power to help us get through these things. We don't have to do it on our own. And yet so many try. And yet so many miss out. I've, I'm not, I won't give you the statistics, but if you look at the ills of our society and the percentage of our society that struggle with these different things, and you can list them out, the studies have shown that in the Christian realm, those that claim to be Christians, the percentage is just about even with a person that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought not to be. Why? Because his power is present. What keeps us from experiencing that power? <clears throat> First of all, because we... Avoid, we're avoiding work. What do you mean? Look at verse 18. <clears throat> and behold, men brought in a bed, which, uh, a man which was taken with Saul's palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay them before him. This man had no way to get to Jesus. You know what these guys said? If Jesus isn't going to come to us, we've got to get this man to where Jesus is. And so they load up, up on a bed and they take him there. They carry him there. It is work. And they get there and the place is packed. These men knew that Jesus Christ could heal their friend, but they realized it wouldn't happen unless they took him to Jesus Christ. They didn't send a message hoping that Jesus would come. They didn't pray that maybe he would come on his way. They were convinced that God could help them and they were willing to do what they had to do to get to God so that he would help them. Amen. Here's the point. They were do willing, and listen to me, this is where Christians get disconnected. They were willing to do their part in seeing God work his power in their life. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. It's God's power. It has nothing to do with us. But here's what we think. We think we can just sit idly by and not do anything and just God's going to do everything and we're not going to have to lift a finger to get things done. Listen, we have got to be willing to say, Lord, I want you to work in my life and part of that is I'll do whatever you want me to do and then God can work in our life. We're mistaken. Well, I have good intentions. God will honor that. And I'm glad you have good intentions. But can I just tell you that? It's not enough. Well, I just have faith and I believe that God will work in my life. And I'm glad you have faith and God can work in your life, but that's not enough. Well, it's all in the hands of God. There's nothing I have to do. That is not 
true. I heard someone say one time, and you could take it too far. Uh, you know, God helps them, helps those who help themselves. How many of you heard that? That's not, I don't, I don't, I, that's not in the Bible. But you know, the principle is there in a sense. Because you know how God works in our life? We have to want it, and God empowers us as we seek to do it. We just want to sit here. Here's what we do. Well, pastor, I'm still struggling. You know, I, and I've been praying about this, and I'm still, I'm still struggling with it. I know. And you get up, and you put yourself right in the path of that struggle. Man, it's more comfortable sitting down. I'd like to sit down the whole message. Get me some kind of chair back here, right? No. Do you know you have to, it's not on you. It's on God's power, but God's not going to work in your life if you're not willing to do something. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, I'll get up and I'll do my part, but I realize that I can't do it alone. Your power is going to have to push me through, but get up and do something. God wants to work, but he will not work if you're not willing to work with him. That's where obedience comes in. By the way, it's just spiritual cop-out. Like, I just prayed, and it's like it's God's fault nothing happened, but you don't even get up, and you can't even faithfully come to church. You can't faithfully look in your Bible. You don't try to obey the Bible, and you think God's just going to miraculously do something. God will empower us when we seek to do the things he wants us to do. You can't obey God on your own. You need his power. But if you're not willing to, try to, to obey God, you're not going to see his power. Amen. That's obedience. God changes us through the truths of the scripture, does he not? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Once we know the truth, we must be commit to living the truth. Well, pastor, I made a commitment. I'm going to live God's truth. Great. Once we commit to living the truths, we act on them in our lives. And then once we act on them in obedience, God's power helps us to follow through and obey. But like we said last week, you've got to get up and be willing to move. So, <clears throat> we got to work. James calls this, <coughs> and we'll move on. <coughs> In James chapter 1, verse 25, where he's talking about being a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only, here's what he says about, about obey, obedience to the word. Verse 25 of James 1. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, here's the key, but a doer of the work. This man may be, shall be blessed in his deed. He equates obedience to doing the work because you have to put effort in. But thankfully, as we put the effort in, God's power comes alongside of us. God's power drives us through, but we have to be willing to move. Secondly, by, we miss it by accepting excuses. Look at verse 19. I don't know who these guys were. I like them, Right? There's no names in the Bible. They're thems and theys. But these guys are, if I had friends, these are the guys I want right here. Verse 19. They bring their friend to Jesus. And when they, when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, the place was packed out, right? You know, it wasn't even standing room only. Okay, you couldn't get in. And so the place is packed out. <coughs> they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before him. Do you see what he did? They get up on the roof. And they're like, I know how to get him to Jesus. They get up on the roof. They start pulling the tiles out of the way. And they're going to drop him right down in front of Jesus where he has, he has no other recourse but then to notice, hey, this guy's hanging here right in front of me. That's my kind of friends. 
You know what they could have said? Well, we went. They just couldn't get in. We tried, buddy. Let's carry you back home. They said, you know what? Nothing is going to keep me from seeing Jesus. Nothing is going to keep me from seeing God's power. Think of this crowd. Most of the crowd that was there to see Jesus or to hear him and some of them there to criticize him, they were becoming an obstacle to God doing a great work in this. But these guys said, we're not going to let that stop us. And they looked up on the roof and they did it. These men did not allow obstacles to become excuses as to why they gave up on getting their friend to Jesus. And by the way, you know the average Christian, if we find an excuse, we'll take it. Right? And by the way, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited here, but let's just say this. When you allow an excuse to keep you from Christ, who is the one who suffers? Just you. Just you. Don't, don't, fall, don't allow for excuses. Please. God wants to work in everybody's life. He is no respecter of persons. He's going to have a really hard time showing his power in his life if you allow excuses. We accept excuses because we believe others have better situations. Well, you know, uh, of course God can work in their life because their situation, but you don't understand how I grew up. You don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't need to understand where you grow up. I don't need to understand where you, where you were, where anything about your life. I just need to understand that we serve a great God. And I don't care where you're at, God can, power can change you. Well, we accept excuses sometimes becomes, we come comfortable with where we're at. It amazes me the comfort that people will get sometimes in the midst of chaos. I mean, stuff's going on in their life, and it's negative, and <laughs> it's not good, and it's like instead of them saying, what's going on here? I, I want something better. They become comfortable with that kind of lifestyle. Well, that's just the way it is. That's just how it's going to be. doesn't have to be like that. You're limiting God. And you know what? God doesn't want to be limited. And his power is unlimited. We accept excuses, as I mentioned, because we're not willing to put in the effort. Some people accept excuses because they'd rather complain than change. I, I've met people, I'm just, I just think that they enjoy complaining. Right? I mean, you could give them anything, you know, like, here, here's $1,000. How come it's not 2000 Okay? It's like, by the way, Say, Pastor, would you complain? You want to see? Give me $1,000 at this service. I'll prove it. I won't complain at all. And they don't even have to be crisp and new. You know, here's one, and then we'll move on. We're willing, because we're more willing to blame others for our actions. <coughs> and I understand. Some of you may have been put in bad situations because of, of people. I understand that happens, right? I'm not, I'm not ignorant to that fact. But when that happens... Your choice is, are you going to let that keep you down? Are you just going to be comfortable in your situation because you feel like you can blame somebody else? Don't you understand God can work through all of those things? Don't accept excuses. Someone has said, those who are good at making excuses usually aren't very good at anything else. I have, I, look, I, I've been doing this a long time, and I'll talk to people, and they'll have a situation in your life and, you know, hey, I'm going through this struggle, this or that. And the first thing I always tell them is like, look, with God's help, you can get through this. There's some things you'll have to work through. There's some things you can do, but you can get through this. And sometimes people are like, I know, I, I'm willing to do that. You know, others are like, well, you know, and they'll just excuse after excuse after excuse. 
And it, it's frustrating to me because it's like you don't have to live that way. God can do great things in your life, but not if you're willing to accept excuses. Next, <coughs> we miss it by lacking belief. Verse 20, guy comes, verse 20, and when he saw their what? Faith. He said unto them, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now first, he starts with letting them know that his sins were forgiven. I believe personally, and I may not be right, that he said that because obviously this man with the physical need, probably going to Christ, he probably was thinking about his spiritual needs as well. And Christ is like, look, you're forgiven. This man's in a bad physical condition, but really, he must have understood he was in a bad spiritual condition. So Jesus takes care of that first. But the whole thing that started this out is because there were faith. The faith of the man that allowed him to have his sins forgiven, but not just his faith. Did you see, and when Jesus saw whose faith? Did you catch that word there? Their faith. Whose faith? The guys that brought him to Jesus? Those guys had faith. This guy had faith, I'm going to assume, but I know the guys that brought him had faith. By the way, whenever we're trying to help people or encourage people, you know why I get up here and say God can do things in your life? You know why? I have faith that God can do that in your life. I've seen him do it in others' lives. Sometimes we have to have faith for other people and encourage them. But we, the point is we have to have faith. Faith is a belief in God that leads to action. Faith is not pa passive, it performs. And that's why they went to Jesus in the first place. He said, he's the one, he has the power, I believe it, and so I'm going to act upon that. We have to act. So let me ask you this, do you really believe that God can work in your life? Do you believe that God could make your life better? Do you believe that God could change your life and God could use you ultimately for his purposes? You say, Pastor, I just don't believe that he can. Then he can't. And it's not because of him. The problem that the other people who didn't get the power wasn't the power. The problem was them because the power was present. You say, Pastor, I believe that God could do something. You're on the right road because then God can. But he'll, God will never do it if you don't believe that he can. Some people, <coughs> they come, they have problems. They may even come to church. They may even do this. They may even do that. But you know what I found for a lot of people? They just want the consequences taken away. Jesus doesn't want to just take the consequences away. He wants to change you. Because if the consequences of whatever's going on in your life are taken away, but you don't change, guess what happens? You're just going to grow some more bad fruit. Are you with me? And you know, I believe that some people deep down in their heart, they, they want God enough to get rid of the consequences, but they really don't believe that living for God and letting him work in their life is best. You got to believe that. You have to but believe that the Christian life and living for God and having a purpose and having him use you to get the word of God and get the gospel out, you have to believe that's the best way to live or else you're not going to go forward. That's what he wants to do. Do you have faith? Do you really believe that, that serving and loving God is best? Those of us that have done it for a while, if you would let us testify, we can testify that it is. 
And you look around like, look at all these church people, man. They all look good. And, and you know, they grew up in church or in the nurse. Look, a lot of us here, we didn't grow up in church. And a lot of you here, you look nice right now, but I saw you when you first walked in the door. And you looked a lot like me when I first walked in the door. And so, if you don't want to just believe the Bible, why don't you believe some of us that say, that'll tell you that this life is far better than that life. Next. <coughs> we won't see it by questioning authority. Look at verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. That was their problem, by the way. Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? He forgave sins, right? Who can forgive sins but God alone? The reason these guys fought against Christ is because of his authority. He came as God on this earth. He came as the Messiah, and he had the authority of God, and they did not like that. By the way, if you fight God's authority, you are going to struggle. Because what we do is we want God to work in our life, but we want to determine what we have, to, what goes on to make that happen. Right? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now that must have been a big deal because Proverbs says that verbatim twice. That's what we think. It's me. I'll do what I want and it's going to work. And it's like, that's not how it works. God wants us to change. His authority in his life. And it's by his word. And he's going to show that in a minute. And he's to display the authority of his word by his actions. See, God wants us to change. You, you can't deny that. He uses terms that once you got saved, you're a new person. You are his workmanship. You know what that, in Ephesians. That means a new product. We are a new creature, Okay. We are, um, he says that you might have life and that you might have it, what? More abundant. He says, look, this whole thing's different now. You're, sa you're saved. I've got a better plan. I can do better things. But how do we do that? We give into his authority, right? Because he tells us in Ephesians, put off the old man. The old things are not good anymore. That's what you got saved from. Let's set those to the side. And then he says, and put on the new man in Christ. Powered by the Spirit of God. But you have to want it. When we do not allow God's power to work in our life, when we are not on board with what God wants us to do, we can usually trace it back because we do not want his authority in our life. We still want to hang on to a few things. Like, Lord, yeah, in this area, oh, I'm totally on board. Oh, over here, no, 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 no. I got that one. It's like, why don't we just give him the key and say, hey, you got the whole house. I'm not going to put locks on a couple of the doors. You get everything. Because God knows what is best. But that requires us giving us his authority. That is no way to live. <coughs> Many of us could tell you. Some of us in here, I know uh, some, and in my test, I got saved, but it took a couple years for me to get in, get in on this thing and give God the authority in my life. Yeah. Let's not waste that time. Like, God, what do you want? We follow his authority. It works. Next, we ignore the results. Look at verse 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, that these guys were all like, yeah, he answered, he answering said unto them, why reason ye in your hearts? <coughs> Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk, verse 24, but that you may know that the Son of God hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, 
go to your house. He said, you guys really want to see this? Fine. Hey, get up, take your, your bed, and go home. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? The guy with the palsy gladly did that. He said, you don't have to ask twice. I don't need an instruction manual. I'm in. Hopped up, grabbed his bed, praised God, and took off. And you know what still happened to these Pharisees and these doctors of the law? They still didn't listen. Read the, new t read the Gospels. I mean, the story amazes me in the book of John where he heals the blind man. And it's like, and it says in the story, it says they couldn't even argue. They knew that he had been healed. And so you know what they did? They didn't say, wow, this must be God. They're like, how can we silence this? They threatened his parents like, hey, we'll kick you out of the synagogue if you say anything. They, instead of seeing the miracle, they tried to discount it. Why? It goes back to the other one. They wanted to reject his authority. But how can we ignore what God can do? God can do great things. Why would we reject that? Why would we ignore that? And then lastly, running out of time, by neglecting God. And they were all amazed. <coughs> and they glorified God. And were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things this day. Now, they finally realized that God did this. And in a sense, they glorified him because they had to confess who the source of it was. But here's one reason we don't see God's power. Sometimes we're trying to live the Christian life and change on our own. We're not going to recognize God at all. Right? Can, can I get there? We're proud, aren't we? We just are. And we think we can do everything on a, I got my Bible, I got this, man up. And, and, I, and I, you know, you ought to man up, okay? But in God's power. Unless you're a lady, then woman up. I don't know how that works. But, but, but we, we're trying to do it on our own. And can I just tell you something? That's an exercise in futility. How does that happen? We're just not faithful to him. <coughs> We want God to do things, but we're not willing to be faithful to him and stay connected. Amen. See, without a connection to God, the power is like, zzz, zzz. if you abide in me and I abide in you. John chapter 15. You know, without him, we can't do anything. Not some things, we can do nothing. So let's not neglect God. Let's give him the praise and the credit for everything that he does. Amen. Look, it's, it's, it's him, and it's his power. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his grace to be strengthened with might, oh, we like that, by his spirit in the inner man. He says, you know what I want for you? I want God's spirit to be strong in your life. Ephesians 2.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, those are like uh, uh, redundant, right? All that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Can I ask you, what power is that? It's, God, it's not yours. It's, your, it's his. And I like Zechariah 4.6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, we go back to my first point where you got to be doing the, to, willing to put in the effort. Sometimes we put in the effort and we start to take the credit. All we're doing is just being fueled by God to do the things we're supposed to be doing. Anything that is accomplished in your life is because of him, and you ought to give him the glory for it. 
That's why he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do people look at you and say, wow, you're a wonderful person? Or can they look at you and say, what's going on in your life? God must be doing something in your life. Do we give him the credit? Now, what's the whole point? We're done. In that day, there was a big crowd. They were all there. Jesus was there, and his power was there to heal whatever needs they had. And yet, I only saw one. Everybody else missed it. What about you? Are you allowing God to work in your life? You, you, you just can't. Look, in the days in which we live, you can't make it on, on your own. And you don't have to. You have problems. I get that. We all have problems. How do you get through those problems? You can try to work them on your own, or you can say, God, I'll do what I'm supposed to do, but I need you, to, I need you in this thing. I'm going to stay in my Bible. I've had people that have, you know, they'll stop coming to church and, hey, how's everything going? It's like, you know, Pastor, I'm all in on church and, and, and God, but I'm just going through some things right now, and I'll come back to church once I get everything straightened out. Can I just tell you something? In my experience, those people have never come back. You know what they did? They cut themselves off from the very thing that would have empowered them to get through their situation. What about you today? I know we all have said, maybe they're minor, but you know what? God wants to work. Let's not stop him. Let's not miss what he wants to do in our lives. Let's stand this morning, please, if we may. <coughs> if we could just stand for a second and bow our head and close our eyes. I want us to contemplate on this. Is God working in your life today? You know my testimony. For two years, I was saved. I knew it. God convicted me. God worked on me. And God, early on in my life, could have done great things. And you know why he didn't? Because I did not allow him. I did not make any effort. I did not accept his authority. All these different things. I just didn't, I didn't, I just didn't do it. It wasn't until a couple years later before I gave in and God started working in my life. I, don't miss it. I know some people, they never see it. They never see it. They're saved. They have Christ in their life. The power is present. And yet, it's not profitable. Remember this. If there's a disconnect between you and the power of God in your life, the disconnect is on your side. It's not on God's side. It's like living in a house and having the electricity working and having a uh, having a, a computer and it won't work. Well, maybe if you don't, maybe you didn't plug it in. The power is there. You got to plug it in. Are you struggling in any of these areas? <coughs> Let me say this before we open the invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you need the first step that Jesus gave to that man when he forgave his sins. Because we cannot, God cannot work in our life unless we are one of his children, unless we are one of his. Let me ask you this question. Are you a Christian? If you were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you would go to heaven or do you have any doubt? With nobody looking around, if you say, 
Pastor, that's me this morning. I'm not 100% for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know that. Pastor, would you pray for me? If you'd quickly just raise your hand, I'll, I'll recognize that and I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? Yes, see your hand. Is God working in your life? Please don't miss it. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen. Piano's going to play. Maybe God spoke to you about something. Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you come? 